It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Italy are the champions of Europe. And for the last time this season, there is so much to talk about after Italy against England in the Euros decider. Let's get right into it. Pressure on a 19-year-old. Yeah, hi everyone. Wow. The, an amazing tournament had the epic finale we all expected, but there is so much drama to dissect. David Wiener with you for the last time this season, joined by John Aloisi, celebrating Thomas Sorensen, watching on Michael Bridges. Thank you for hanging around. It hasn't been an easy morning. How are you feeling right now? I'm absolutely gutted to see England go out on penalties yet again. And look, well, not go out, they've lost. And... I'll tell you what, though, Dave, what an amazing game. I've got to credit the Italians, Johnny Aloisi. They're going 1-0 down at Wembley in front of 65,000 people in the first two minutes, by the way, of a game. They could have quite easily gone under. They held it together. Benucci and Chiellini, magnificent Chiesa. They started to dominate the game. They silenced the crowd. They went to penalties and then done a Roma. Play of the tournament. Well done. Kudos. Credit. One all at full time after goals from Leonardo Benucci and Luke Shaw. Two defenders scoring in the final for the first time ever, and then three two on penalties. What a roller coaster of emotion that penalty shootout was. Let's get straight to it. It's what the whole world is talking about right now. Three young men for England Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Bakayo Saka are the centre of the attention. Gianluigi Donnarumma is the hero. John, how will those three young men be feeling right now? And sum up the way the world should be reacting to them and their courage to step up on the biggest stage of all. Well, you just said it, the courage to step up. Because it's easy to be in the stand, it's easy to be at home and saying, oh, they, you know, they should have put it here, it's a poor penalty. It's a, step up there and see what it's like in front of 65,000, in front of your, your whole nation that's riding on this penalty or riding on those penalties to go win the Euro for the first time, the first final since 1966. It, it, it's not easy. It definitely is not easy. I don't... Um I, I, you can't point fingers at them. It's wrong to. It's a penalty shootout. There has to be a winner and a loser. It was unfortunate for England that they ended up losing. They need support around them. Gareth Southgate's already given that support in terms of his press conference. He shouldered all the blame. He said, I picked the penalty takers. I'm the one that's chose those uh, players, uh, chosen those players. So I, I hand that to him. And the players, uh, again, they, they probably felt confident and they felt like they could have taken it. But until you're there at the halfway line, arms around your teammates, and then when it's your turn and you start to walk, that's when you know if your confidence is there or not because that's when you either you've got jelly legs or you're going, I'm going to put this one away and, uh, and you know keep our team in it or win it. Big call to bring fresh legs off the bench literally with the clock done. Hindsight's brilliant. But there was a, it's a lot to ask those three young men. Well, yeah, the two young men in particular, and then Saka at 19 years of age stepping up. 
Yeah, and when you look at the story of the whole tournament, you know, a lot of questions were asked before the before we all started. Sterling, was he going to play? You know, Foden was going to be the main man for the team. Gareth Southgate made some tough decisions and you couldn't question any of them. He even got the, you know, the 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 five at the back today, sure scored. Everything worked. But again, bringing those two players off you know, on with one minute to go for the penalty, both missing. And then, you know, my bis- biggest question is why was Saka the last person to the take a penalty? penalty taker. Yeah, you know, he's a young player. He might have been confident, but, you know, again, again, you said hindsight, but that, that's my only question. And, and that's the thing that, that bothers me. You know, yes, there has to be a winner and a loser, but to see him, such a young player, such a talent, bearing all that at the end. It was just, for me, not the right way it should finish. I've got to say, I totally agree with you. He, he shouldn't have been the fifth penalty taker. There was um, Henderson came off for the substitute, but I still saw there was Shaw, there was Grealish, Sterling. There was players on there in the, the first two. The only thing is, Bridgie, you don't know how confident they were. They might have said they don't want to take one. I've been in penalty no, shootouts when totally players go, agree with you, John. I don't want to, I but don't want to take still the it. pressure of a young man to take that fifth. You saw Harry Kane step up as the captain, yep. slot his first one away. Harry Maguire, he's put the ball where the, the spiders live and he broke the camera behind the goal. A leader and an experienced player. I just felt him being the fifth sacker, I really feel for him. And if anybody can mentor him, Gareth Southgate can. But I've got to say, I'm delighted, and I, I, I say that in the nicest way, that another player, and in this case, sadly, there was two in Rashford um, and Sancho, there wasn't just one player that was left to miss a penalty. There's others that can share the, the burden that the public will try and put on them. But listen, you've, you're brave enough. They've stepped up. They've had a go. And England, I, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of every single player and staff member that has led England into a final at home. And yeah, they, they go with heroes, mate. Yeah, the thing is that, um, and I understand, and I agree with about Saka taking the fifth. I do agree with that, that, you know, maybe that was too much. And it's too much on a young person. But sometimes young players don't feel that fear because they don't know they don't know it. They don't know how to experience it. They've never experienced it. Um, it backfired. It definitely did. And the worst thing about it is, and I remember speaking at length to uh, a player that I played with, Mauricio Pellegrino. He played uh, for Valencia against Bayern Munich in the Champions League final and he he just couldn't get over it because he said every time they would show Champions League and they, they the, before the game you'll see Oliver Kahn saving his penalty he said he couldn't live it down it was just there with him the whole time and he ended up taking a penalty in the Europa League final the following year scored and he goes no one spoke about it <laughs> so it's one of those things that are going to live with you forever you just can't get rid of it you mentioned we were talking beforehand Thomas about even though so far the reaction seems to be from the English press a lot like what you three gents have said. It's not knives out. It's not blame game. And hopefully there's not that 25-year narrative that Gareth Southgate had to put up with. But you just mentioned something really important there. These three players now, mentally, even if everyone supports them, they have something to deal with now to get back to the heights for their clubs and the next time they wear the England shirt. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter what everyone else says. You know, you as a person, have pride, uh, you feel you've let people down. I, I've been, you know, I went to, to the 2002 World Cup. I made a mistake against England and it doesn't matter what everyone else says. You could have had the best tournament up to that point. You still feel you let everyone down. And and that that's the thing that you have to get over. Uh, they're still young, great talent, you know, and 
well, I think we, we said on coverage, in a month's time, the Premier League kicks off, they'll be back in action. Um, and, and, and that's good for them because they don't want to dwell too much. And, you know, um, it, it, yeah, it, it's just what football is. You so know, that's, that's a what... A bit of an antidote. How did you get over that yourself then? No, but it, it takes time. You know, it, it's a gremlin that, that, that sort of lives there. I, I actually spoke to, to um, you know, a sports psychologist about it, you know, having to, you know, actually look at it that it's a mistake you know you you can actually boil it down because when you start looking at the bigger picture and and yeah i've got you know in england 55 60 million people who who all disappointed who didn't get what they wanted and i was the i was at fault if you start taking that burden on you that you can't live with it you have to then boil it down to this is what i actually did you know maybe i wasn't confident maybe i you know i could have hit it differently or my my run-up was different and and then actually that's the mistake. It's not that you've let everyone else down. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with it straight away because now we know that the new generation of players are very big on social media, so they'll get their feelings out as soon as possible and how that sort of, you know, they cope with that, you know, Rashford, Sancho and Saka, if they get on the front foot or if they just go back and sort of go, you know what, we don't want to speak to anyone, I don't want to be on social media, I don't want to see anyone. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting this next, especially month, because though I know the league starts soon, but they'll have a couple of weeks off and having those couple of weeks off sometimes on holiday, Oh, that's just, you know, you, you just, it's non-stop in your head. And, you know, you, you, the only people you can talk to about it is your family. Um, and you're not around professionals. You're not around other players that have been through similar situations or, you know, a sports psychologists that can help you. You're around no one. I think they do need a, a sports psych that can actually help them through this period. And hopefully they're able to actually get over it quickly and win something either with their club or with the national team and go through an experience that will help them get through it. Yeah, 19 years old, 21 years old, 23 years old. And and it was funny when it came up in the conversation in the post-game show about Harry Kane and the conversation about his form. I think one of the big things that England's starting to realise about this team is this team represents the very best of their country. And these three gentlemen are very much a part of that in the way that what they've done I mean one of the things the England team is donating part of their prize money to the NHS you know you've got players here who fought for racial equality for poverty for children hungry children and I think I think that is such a big part of what they've been able to elevate as a group going forward and these three young men will be a big part of that over the next 10 to 15 years and that is why the English fans and the English non-football fans have bought into this national team because of all the hard work that a lot of them players or doing off the field, David. It, it, it's massive. Now, we've spoken about the penalty shootout from an England perspective at, in, at length. We apologise for any Italy fans who are still celebrating and want us to jump into the Azzurri. And we will start, Thomas, with Gianluigi Donnarumma, who, when you tipped yesterday, could get player of the tournament, I think John's reaction was, not a goalkeeper, but this guy at 22 years of age hasn't, hasn't lost a penalty shootout in his career and he's going to Paris Saint-Germain on a free. He has the world at his feet. Or yeah. in his hands. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, he's been tremendous. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, how he's handled himself. Because you think back to the group stage, he didn't have much to do. He, he only had a few saves to make. So that was all about concentration. So he has he's shown there that, you know, he's a top-level goalkeeper because that's, that's the hardest games. You know, when you get peppered, you know, you, you get played into the game. You, you, you know, you, you get warm and the confidence is up. Easy. But when you don't have anything to do and then you have to come up with that special save, 
for like one time in a game and he, he did that on several occasions against Belgium against Austria he made a couple of very important saves and then these two penalty shootouts uh, just looked immense in goal looked like he, he had a, a plan like he, he'd, he'd done the, the homework because it's not a guessing game you know everyone thinks ah oh, but you know he just guessed right now a lot of work goes into it you know a lot of study and video players tendencies you know with the goalkeeping coach and, and the video um, department that they will have around the team and um, and then for him also to, to show the calm, you know, with Rashford knowing the players because he actually changed his dynamics with Rashford because he knew he would, a little bit like Jorginho had that slow run up. Look, he looked at the keeper. He looked at Donnarumma until the last second. And I think with him standing firm, put a bit of doubt in Rashford's mind and he had to, f- you know, probably overcorrect and that's why he hit the post. So, you know, you could see that he was well prepared and he executed what I loved about not only his, uh, his penalty saves, and obviously that's what everyone's going to look at, is when they were a little bit under the pump towards the end of that extra time and uh, and crosses were coming in, he commanded his area. On one occasion he got lucky, but he was there, he was aggressive with it. So I think that that, that was a big thing for them. Yeah, but also think about the semi-final goal. He was the guy, caught it, yep. rolled it out. He started that move right from the back. You know, so he's played a big part. The number one, number one? Is he the world's best keeper? At is the that, moment, yes. Yeah, right at the moment. You know, that's, you know, you can argue about other players, but right now, yes. He's, he's, got, the, he's got all ahead of him, Gianluigi Donnarumma. But take nothing away from Pickford. Yep. Pickford was brilliant. He today. was brilliant. He he, 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 he kept he England in. Kept them in. I and thought not forgetting the Copa America. I know one of the two goalkeepers in there, Edison and Martinez. The penalty saves Martinez made as well in the semi-finals. I'll tell you the four outstanding keepers that have shone this season. Who said that uh, goalkeepers? Uh, it's impossible for them to save a penalty because they can't come off their line or whatever. I think they're their favourites now to <laughs> save penalties. <laughs> when you take up the whole goal like Donnarumma, <laughs> it makes it a bit easier. What is it? A, what an amazing, amazing. Athlete. Um, Mancini Sorry Dave We haven't spoken about And on the air We didn't speak about Kellini How good he was We spoke about And how much of a leader He was And, and you know How he had one of the best games You know Of the tournament And uh, that his experience His coin toss He's won two coin tosses In a row Against Spain And against uh, England Oh he lost the first one Yeah he didn't he care about that end. one he, he won the important one yes, Because we know The percentages of If you go first I think it's it's seventy odd percent that you're going to win the penalty shootout, and he won both. That's that's incredible. Well, while we're on Chiellini, let's 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 kick off the Italy conclusion with Chiellini, uh, oldest captain in a Euros final, alongside the oldest scorer in a Euros final. The seventy years of age between them, these guys are. You know what I love about them? We've helped, we've spoken all tournament about Mancini front foot football, new new team, the the new guard. And guess what? If they didn't have the old stage in the middle of the park, I'm not sure this would have happened. Yeah, and you, wouldn't have. Yeah, and you forget. Actually, I think Kalini retired, retired after in yeah. 2018 after the scandal against Sweden, and uh, Mancini went to him like, "We we need you back." He brought him back, so you got to credit uh, Mancini as well. To you know, to he could have taken. Oh, I'm just going for youth. That there, the old generation out with them. He saw the lead, like the leadership qualities that you know that brought them to where they, they are today. There was a moment in the game that summed it up for me: the experience of Chiellini. And when he got caught in one v one on the halfway line with Saka, who headed the ball past him, and Chiellini literally just grabbed the back of his shirt and ragdolled him to the ground and said. 
it was the old saying that Peter Reid would say to us, the ball and the player never go past you. You take out one or the other. And Chiellini just went, I'm taking the yellow card here. Well, how I'm come Diego done. Maradona went past him in the quarterfinals? Oh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> different. <laughs> Peter Reid couldn't catch him. I know. That, we always used to show that on the bus. It was fantastic. But that moment there, Chiellini and Bonucci were on yellow cards. They were treading on very thin ice, okay? Sterling got a penalty against Denmark. Oh, that was still, the- de- still debatable. He's run inside the penalty area. Anybody could have stuck a leg out and gone in. Chiellini waited for that moment. He thought, you are not getting past me, young man. And he, he was just colossal. And he was inspirational in playing the ball out for Italy as well in their yeah. dynamics, John. He was. I, I thought that. So it, it goes unnoticed about the two Italian defenders, how good they are on the ball. Everyone says, oh, they're so good defensively. But it's their build-up play because Italy dominated that game for long periods with the ball. I think that at one stage it was 70-30. It started to get clawed back a little bit more in extra time and it's because of those two how they start you know it, not only do they know okay we've got Verratti we've got Jorginho in front of us we can play them but also they're not afraid to play through the lines they're not afraid to step in Chiellini stepped in a lot of the time because they were building up with a three with Di Lorenzo Bonucci and Chiellini on the left was going higher at one stage I saw him on the edge of the box making a forward run I go what's he doing He's, he's a centre-back. He was he's, overlapping. A oh, yeah, he was overlapping. <laughs> and, and you thought that he would have ran out of legs at one stage. He didn't run out of legs. I don't know what drinks they're having over in Italy. <laughs> it's not just coffee. Triple espressos they're having. <laughs> uh, that was so much. Him getting forward was so much about what changed for Italy. Now, we talk about uh, things going right, things going wrong. Italy were under the cosh. They were 1-0 down. They changed the game. Something happened. It was a combination. I want to ask you guys, was it a combination of too much... Too much of England dropping deep? Was it England, Italy forcing the issue? What changed? Because Southgate won the early points, but Mancini won in terms yeah. of the next round and yeah. the knockout he got there. Yeah, there's a couple of things that changed. The, first of all, you have to say that Chiesa, even when Italy weren't playing well, was very positive and he sort of created something out of nothing. And then uh, you, you could start to see in the second half, as soon as uh, Mancini took off Immobile, the game changed. The game completely changed. He put Berardi on the right, Chiesa on the left, and they also swapped over at one stage. He put uh, uh, Insignia central, and uh, and they just looked a lot more fluid. They also had a lot more possession in good areas. Uh, they were dominating midfield. Verratti was phenomenal in the midfield. I think he had 94% pass oh, yeah. uh, completion rate. He just ran out of legs. He made more everywhere. passes than every England midfielder on the pitch combined. Well, yeah. I'm very surprised Immobile played. Got to be honest, because his semi-final wasn't that great. He's back to goal. His ball retention that first half, when you compare number nine and Harry Kane dropping in, being the link-up player, Immobile did absolutely nothing for them. The, the most he moved is when he was with the trophy after the game, when he ran to the cameras with the, with the, with the trophy. Well, that's the only time he held on to something today. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. Very true as well, by the way. That's great I analysis. Actually, I actually saw the point system. It had, uh, for England, the, the points, you know, best on ground, had... Uh, had Jordan Pickford three points, Luke Shaw two points, and Immobile one point for England. Wow, <laughs> 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 oh, it's, hard. it's harsh this morning. It's not harsh, it's damn true. He, that changed Look, the he's dynamic. he's a top striker, but he just, the last John, three games he struggled. He struggled massively, and I think he, he impacted Italy from the start without him. I think it could have been carnage for England as well. But I think there was something psychological that happened. You know, obviously, on such a high after two minutes... Uh, they had a chance after again where actually the same same build up into yeah. Kane. He switched and they had a chance in the box and yeah, Sterling Sterling 
just didn't get there. And then after that, they started dropping. They were happy to concede possession. There wasn't any pressing. And the pressing just got further, further back. The last 10 minutes of the first half, Kane was pressing halfway into their own half. And I think Dad has just conceded a little bit of momentum. And I think looking back at it, I think Southgate would wish that they had gone on the front a little bit, Yeah, a little you, bit What more. could he have you done then? It on the commentary at halftime. Well, it, you said, I hope they don't just sit back and absorb pressure. And they, they, they did. So what, what he, could he have done? What he did do, he ended up changing the system, went to back to a four at the back. And I think that helped them because they were getting overloaded in midfield. So when you, you're playing against uh, uh, two defensive midfielders, um, it, you know, the Italians were finding space either side of them because not all the time the central defenders could come out to that extra player in the midfield. So that that was the first thing that he changed. I think that he could have changed Mount a little bit earlier because when you go back to a four, then you can actually put Mount in the midfield. You don't need to play him wide. And then he brought Grealish on, which was good um, because I think they lacked that. They did lack that. I think as soon as Grealish came on... It starts to shift a little bit. England starts to get more possession. Uh, and, and I think that was a big thing. He did change it. I think he changed it a little bit too late because he probably thought 1-0, we're still in front. I don't need to change Considering it. Considering all the clean sheets. It. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to change it. As soon as he went to 1-1, he goes, I need to change it because now we're, we're, <laughs> we're on the wrong side here because it could go their way now. But I, I think as well, the key to that was well the wing backs. I think they where they were on the front foot to start with, they then were happy to just cover, go back in a, you know, quite quickly back in that five at the back. And then, you know, that allowed... Well, the three uh, centre-halves only had one to mark in the midfield. Yeah, and allowed Emerson battle. suddenly to go forward where he was he was really struggling in the start. That was all the opening was on his side, you know, in behind there. And, and as soon as they started dropping, that's when, again, the three in midfield for Italy totally busted. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So in conclusion then, how are we feeling? Final thoughts on the game. It can be a final thought on the tournament for England or Italy. It can be a thought on what Mancini has done because we've spoken about it at length on the podcast and on all all the shows, how he's taken Italy from the apocalypse to the top of Europe. Dare I say, at this point, they go from missing the World Cup in 2018 to being one of the favourites for it in 2022. Final thoughts from all of you in a freestyle, whatever comes to your mind first, about Italy versus England today. I'm going to talk on behalf of England. You've got to lose one to win one. All right. Semi-finals in the World Cup. Finals in the Euros. Bring on the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, but, you know, it's easy to, to sit here and... and uh, well, Tommy, I've got to say it, otherwise I'll cry. No, 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 no. But, but I think, you know, it's been great to watch this England team off the pitch as on the pitch. I think they're moving in the right direction. I, I think they've got the right manager. It's easy to, you know, to be very disappointed right now. But, you know, we can't forget and England fans can't forget 
that this has been a brilliant tournament with with a bright future. And as as I agree with you, Bridget, I think that the World Cup and and tournaments after that is looking very very positive. Yeah, I agree. I think that England deserved to be in the final, and they actually took Italy all the way, which they did. Uh, and it was such a fine line. Yes, in the second half, Italy got on top. But then, you know, you see an extra time, England. So if you average that out over 120 minutes, I don't think you could split the two. I don't think that uh, England didn't create as many chances as they would have liked to, but they did well. They, they had a really good tournament and they're, they're on the right track. And Gareth Southgate is the right person because on and off the pitch, they are class. They're a class act. What did Max Rushton say from the UK with Optus? He'll take the point. He'll take the point. Yeah, we'll take the point. <laughs> but the on, other, on Italy, so no, no, carry on, mate. So on Italy, I mentioned and I got criticised for it, Bridget. You were one of them that criticised me. That you said is I said this is the best team that I've watched. Best Italian side. Hang on, John. Hang on a minute. He said what? Thank you. At the beginning of the tournament, after two games, I was like very quick to jump on the Italian bandwagon and say, this is the most exciting team, the best Italian team I've watched at a major tournament. I've watched the Italian 82 side that won the tournament. They drew their first three games in that tournament, just got out of the group stage. Then they were playing counter-attacking football. Sometimes it was frustrating to watch, but they ended up winning it. And then I, uh, I remember... What, uh, 2006, obviously, and you know, I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to win the tournament, but uh, you know, they not they weren't always on the front foot attacking and 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 you know showing how good they can be with the ball. They had the good players, top players, household names. This team here, what a brand of football they played, and they showed all kinds of ways to win. And not only did they win the hard way on penalties, but they came from behind. They they played in the backyard of the England national team at Wembley and still took the game to England. That's exciting to watch. So for me, they're the best team that I've seen, the Italian side that I've seen play. 34 games unbeaten, Bridgie. That's a record. Mancini's a legend for I that. jumped on your bandwagon and defended your comments because social media and Opt- Optus Twitter were just going, Johnny Aloisi said, what? This is a disgrace. We've had Baggio, we've had Maldini. Rightio, then give us an answer. He said <laughs> he what? He said what? What's going on? You messed up. And I defended you and I said they had to win it to back up that comment. Johnny Aloisi, Italia, I salute you. Mancini, trophy winner with Italy. You said they had, they had to win a trophy and that elevates them even above being the best to watch. What does this elevate their status to? In, 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 you know, what will they be talking about in Rome all across Italy today? Oh, they'll be talking about this side as one of the best that they've ever had. 100% because they know that they've gone uh, on a streak and to come from nowhere, to come from a, a side that failed to qualify and you can imagine what the Italians are like when they didn't qualify all the negativity around the national team that our football's going nowhere, we're so far behind, you know, so many other nations in front of us. And Mancini walks into that, that Italian job and changes everyone's belief. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and he's done a similar thing to Southgate. You know, he took some tough decisions to start with. Okay, I'm going to get some youth in here. I'm going to change the, the whole culture of the team. You know, a, a new energy. Uh, and, and I've got a set system. Uh, I'm not necessarily picking players just for from Juventus and Milan and Inter you know I'm I'm Sassuolo I'm 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 picking them where I find that those players fit my system who who play with that energy and you know it's it's you know incredible to think that you haven't lost in 34 games and and also they had that run of 10 clean sheets mm. in a row leading into the Austria game 
you know that those things are remarkable in in, in itself and and yeah coming through today as well winning in tough ways you know it's looking good for for Italian football as well isn't it incredible to think that both these managers are in the final were not the first choices of both national team selections who was the first choice for Italy I don't know, but Mancini was not in the run in the hierarchy early on. Sam Allardyce. Oh my, don't you mention <laughs> his name again. Honestly, I told you, the journalist should be knighted. <laughs> Do you know, it, 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 was, it was funny that in the last game in Pod Bridge when he said, you know, I'm looking forward to the, the World Cup. And everybody said, oh, here we go. I think this is getting carried away again. But you know what? Uh, we've seen the Copa America final. We've seen the Euros final back to back. It would be not a long shot to say that we saw, if Italy and England go deep in the, in the World Cup next year, that would be par for the course. Yeah. Look, I look at the uh, English national team and you look at their squad and then I look at Brazil. Brazil have got amazing players. There's, don't get me wrong, but they've got... In their front three yesterday, they had Everton, Richarlison, Neymar. Take Neymar out of that, you would put every other English player in that front three. You know, they're, they're even on the bench, Sancho, Rashford, you know, I, 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 I think in front of Rich Olsen and Everton. So the, in, in terms of going forward, the English national team have got so many players coming through. They, they're they're going to be quality for years to come. They just need to actually probably win that first tournament since 1966 and what that ends up doing, it gives you belief. That's why I think this Italian side still got a lot more because they got that belief. But can they replace Chiellini and Bonucci once they retire? That's the only thing. Can Chiellini go again for the World Cup? Oh, well, he needs to play. It, it, I, I think that he will go again. I actually think that uh, he needs to be lucky enough. See, what helped him, and no one's really mentioned as well, is that he didn't play the whole season at Juventus. If he played the whole season at Juventus, he wouldn't have been able to play these Euros. I think that he would have broken down or would have been too tired physically, mentally. So, does he do a Gareth Bale and say he only wants to play international football and no, retire from club football? I don't think you can do what that What a either. statement that was, by <laughs> the way. Did he, uh, I'd be so interested if Kylian either goes like this, he can't top this, or he just gets a little bit of a sniff that he's going to go for one more. You mentioned, John, just to, to round that out, how Italy found every way to win. We said before this game that England would have to find something to beat Italy because Italy had shown that they had found every solution. And to be fair, they found one more today after winning on the front foot, after winning an extra time, after winning without the ball they trailed today for the first time in 19 matches and they still found a way to win they'd only conceded in that unbeaten run they'd only been behind for 43 well, minutes they drew didn't they really well <laughs> well you take a point take a point to Qatar no, no, no. they'll take the trophy home with them <laughs> gents it's you been you can take a point they can take the trophy <laughs> it might just give me some comfort going home that's good We've had a fabulous month. We really have. P- parting words. What are you going to remember from the? What are you going to remember from the month? If you can remember anything, because it's all a blur. I can't believe it's literally been four weeks of wall-to-wall football, fifty-one games. But I will cherish it for a long, long time. What do you remember? Yeah, well, I'm going to remember. I've got a lot of time to think back and remember because I'm going to be two weeks in quarantine, Dave. So I've got a long time to think. What do we? I remember, and and what a highlight was was um, Bridgie's uh, paella that he did for us that one night. I thought it was top quality, Bridgie. Thank uh, you, Thomas's John. steak that he did. for You're us. delirious. You're not calling that the <laughs> highlight of the month, surely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say that the first from the opening ceremony, you could just see that football was back in Europe with the crowds in the stadium, and the, the, the atmosphere at the stadiums, the excitement of being back at the stadiums and the quality of the football. I don't think I've seen a tournament this good uh, and, and, and it just... 
I think there was one bad game out of how many? 51. 51. One bad Sorry, game. Sweden, Slovakia. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch that one. <laughs> Johnny, who sang at the opening ceremony? Um, no, I can't remember now. I've gone. The Bocelli. 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 Yeah. If anybody gets a chance to go on the Optus Sport app or go on the Twitter feed or anything you can to see John Aloisi and Richard Bayliss, the analysis on the Brecky rap this morning of his opening ceremony performance on your touchscreen <laughs> that we normally use for the tactics and where the space is. I thought it was a great way to end off the tournament, mate. Well, so many people, look, I'm, uh, you have to be serious when you're talking about tactics. And then it had to be at least one that I had to talk Relief, about. Relief, you're different. You can't be. <laughs> and some you, people thought it was it. serious as well, by the way. <laughs> Tommy? Yeah, no, on, a, on a serious note, and uh, I think it actually turned the whole tournament into something unique. Um, it was, you know, the Ericsson incident. Um, I, I think um, it, it, first of all, uh, brought the football community together. I think it brought nations together. Um, it put football on front page everywhere in the world. And, and now looking at it, um, you know, the, the positive outcome, I think, set this tournament you know, you don't want to see it, but it set the tournament on. It brought everyone together. You know, I know from back home how it brought Denmark together, you know, the, how the team rallied. Um, and then it just, yeah, it just made it a, a unique from there. Everyone just wanted to be part of it. Uh, fans in every country. And, um, and yeah, it, it, it just was magical. I think it, it's one of the best tournaments I can remember of football quality, of excitement. And also, we've we've bloody the whole world has been in lockdown. Mm. Everyone is was heaving for for something unique, something to to cheer about, something to be positive about, and we got it. And I, I think the players lifted off the back of that to this tournament, to to play again in front of fans of that full stadiums in Hungary. Exactly what Tommy said. I mean that that moment will stick with me forever when Christian Eriksen went down being a Spurs fan being an admirer of his it, and Tommy sitting and getting emotional because he's personal friend and roommate with Christian it was horrible to witness it'll stick with me forever thankfully he got through it added to the fans but the players delivered on the park as well and it all like I said best tournament that I've ever been witness to that's what everyone tends to think the most recent thing they've seen is the best thing but there's a genuine question like that was just delivered everything that was a, you could not ask for more from a tournament the collective spirit that the sport showed after Christian Eriksen's trauma and then hard for us to watch here from Sydney where we've just gone back into lockdown but to see the world c coming back coming back out, enjoying football, the scenes today, the raw emotion, remembering the pulse that's in your veins that football brings you that maybe, I'm not saying we've forgotten, but we've become desensitized to, desensitized to with the empty stadiums. So that, for me, brought me back to life. We've had such a great time. And uh, you know how much I liked it? I just wrote a piece yesterday. The 31 reasons I'll never forget Euro 2020. 31, and I could have written 60. So there you go. Did, Jump did on we, the up to Did we get a mention? Okay, I'll, I'll make it 32. I'll make it 32. <laughs> You see, he's not a team player. We need to let us down. <laughs> well, speaking of team, I actually do want to end off by thanking you three in particular because I think we've spent more hours than we could probably care to add up over the last 18 months talking about football. But my God, aren't we lucky to spend so much time doing so. Thank you so much for your generosity every single week, jumping on Zoom or coming and having a chat. We've had a great time and it's been an invaluable part of Up to Sport. So thank you very much. I've had an amazing time. I'm very grateful for your time. Mutual respect. Yeah. Loved it. And um, boys, it's been a pleasure to spend time with you. 
in lockdown, in the way we have, and Johnny, it's going to be tough to celebrate in 14 days, but you will find a way, mate, yeah, because no, you've got to be happy. The Italians have got it. No, I'm happy because it was such a great tournament. Because, it, it, it look, it makes our life easier and our job easier to talk about great football, and we were talking about that virtually every single day, so it was great. This is just the best game in the world, I think, uh, this month uh, has shown. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a team here at Up to Sport. Uh, we've come together. We've lived the highs. We've lived the lows. And we're, you know, friends for forever as well. So, you know, it's all uh, been a... F- Bloody fantastic month. We're on and Tommy's <laughs> Christmas card list. Yes. Yes. This is all a bit too sweet to end yeah. off with. Yeah. Got something to end it with? Yeah, no, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to say that the whole of the football community and even the non pretty much football lovers in Australia have really got behind the Euros yep. as well. You know, when we were not in lockdown, it was overwhelming how many people would come up and talk to us about, you know, the Euro and, and the games and, and what Optus are, are putting on and the coverage. And it, you know, that that's great to be part of such a team and such a, you know, a fantastic sport that we do follow and love. Here, here. We, uh, we, we do what we do because we love it so, so, so much. Well, that's it for the season, everyone. Uh, I don't know how many episodes we have done, but we hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to each each and every episode. And as ever, until the next episode of The Gamer Pod, enjoy your football.